whatever you're saving up for. A CD from Sandy Spring Bank lets you grow your savings at a guaranteed rate. Right now, earn interest at 5.50% APY on an 8-month CD special or 5.00% APY on a 14-month CD special. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com slash cdspecials. Minimum opening deposit to earn the annual percentage yield is $500 for the 8-month CD special and $2,500 for the 14-month CD special. Member FDIC. The is-it-morning-yet deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Get any sized iced coffee for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. And sweeten the deal when you pair it with a baked apple or pumpkin and creme pie. After all, why wait to treat yourself? Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Welcome to Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and equipped through this podcast as we have conversations with friends from around the world. You can subscribe to our podcast and go to our website, firebornministries.com, and sign up for our email list to stay up to date on Fireborn Ministries. And may you have your own adventures in the Spirit. And now we hope you enjoy today's podcast. Do you want to grow in your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Do you want to commune with the wonderful Holy Spirit like never before? Your adventure with Him will grow tremendously as you go through our Fellowship with the Holy Spirit e-course. You can study the course at your own pace, on your time. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit will help you know the Holy Spirit more and encounter Him every day. You'll learn His names, His character, His fruit, His personality, and more. Go to FirebornMinistries.com to purchase this life-changing program and start connecting with Him today. Welcome to Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm so excited for our special guest today, Robbie Dawkins. He's an author, speaker, power evangelist. We currently have him here in the Virginia Beach area for an incredible conference. The Holy Spirit's moving in power. My daughter was wonderfully blessed last night at 11 years old. The Holy Spirit is touching her through Robbie's ministry. Robbie, it's a pleasure to have you on Adventures in the Spirit. Excited to be here. Good to be here, man. Yeah, we're, we're excited for what God's doing. Amen. I love the anointing on your life, the mm. humility, the transparency. But for this podcast, I want to go a little bit in some history as to how God got a hold of your life. Sure. Happy to. So how did God get a hold of your life? How did you come to Jesus? <laughs> um, I thought we were going to go into like at the age of three. No. <laughs> um, you know, I mean... I, all this really started to be honest with you. I mean, it's, it's kind of bizarre, but it was, it was actually even before I was even born, uh, Satan appeared to my mother and told my mother that if she allowed me to be born, he would kill both of us at birth. My mother wasn't supposed to be able to get pregnant again. I had two older sisters, but there was, a there was just, a, a, a just this opposition. And I mean, I think the enemy somehow had a heads up, that there was something God was going to do, you know, I mean, and I don't, I don't know even how to explain all that other than the fact that, you know, somehow he gets a clue, you know, that's, that's God's going to use somebody a certain way or something. And I mean, I think that's the reason why there's, he's trying to wipe out an entire generation through abortion and things like that. As he sees, there's a mighty move of God that's coming. And, but anyway, um, my mom had an incredible 
you know, relationship with the Lord. And she literally, he appeared in physical form in a laundry room uh, in their home in Japan, where I was born. They were missionaries there. And, um, you know, told her that. And she said, well, you know, obviously you want to stop something God is wanting to do. And she said, I'll never put my hand against what God is doing. And so she said, so even if I die, you know, that's, that that'll be the way that it is, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to dispense with this pregnancy because, you know, God obviously has his hand on this child. And so, um, after that, um, an angel appeared to my mom and told her that because of her trust and her faithfulness and dependency on the Lord that I would be born. Um, and that a sign of kind of fulfilling what God's purpose was that I'd be born on Easter Sunday morning. Now it was bizarre because that was that would have made the pregnancy two weeks, two and a half weeks late. Hmm. And so, and you know, typically if it's in that time frame, they're they're inducing by then. But um, but I I did. I was born on Easter Sunday morning, and just like the angel had said, and and um and but my mother throughout the pregnancy, every month Satan appeared to her, telling her, threatening her with the same message. I mean, up until the ninth month. I mean, it was just this battle. But my mom had always had this conclusion that she would die, but I would live, you know. And so early on, I think the enemy thought and I I think why that was such a threat is because my passion is to equip and train people. And so I think he saw it rather than me as a personal threat that I would be raising other people up to do it and equipping other people to do it and releasing their identity to them and understanding that. And that was, that's what he saw as the big threat. And so, you know, you would think with that, that childhood was me walking on water and parting my milk at breakfast. (laughs) None of that (laughs) happened. It was not, it wasn't like that at all. It was pretty normal, average. Uh, childhood, you know, I mean, average in the sense of just that, you know, there was no real signs and wonders or anything. My mother and father never told me that story until I was in my twenties because they felt like that it would invite like a demonic attack. And so they were very concerned about it. But what ended up happening was, uh, you know, I went through a lot of spiritual warfare when I was like 12 and 13. That was sort of my rebellious stage. You know, my parents came back to, from the uh, from Japan to the United States and they were pastoring and they led a couple of ministries um, that were very my parents were all about ministry. And so I grew up in ministry my entire life. And so, um, you know, but then what a, a particular event where I really saw the power of God demonstrated like the most memorable way. I was about nine years old. I got saved at seven. Um, but at nine, um, we had, my dad had picked up a, you know, back in the early seventies, there was a lot of young people that were still had run away from home. Right. There was a lot in the sixties, but also the early seventies. And my dad, my dad had brought back home this guy who had picked up off the street. This was like in 1975, I think. And, um, a kid that was, he was a, prostituting himself Mm. in Atlanta and, and, um, and my dad, he wasn't gay, but he was, he was just, he, he's just trying to eat, trying to make money to survive. And so my dad went and, and, um, and picked him up and, you know, was my dad would go downtown often with people from our church and evangelize. And he, he brought this kid home and I mean, he was a heroin addict. So, I mean, he was going through all sorts of DTs, 
and really sick, really. And I was like, and it was staying in my bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just because we had no place else for him to go. There was nothing else. And I was like, I didn't know if he was like possessed by aliens or demons or yeah. what. But the yeah. manifestation was like pretty dramatic, you know, throwing up a lot, you know, sweat, shaking, you know, shouting out profanity. And um, so one morning, early in the morning, I, I turned, I rolled over and I looked and he was out of bed, which was unusual because when he was going through the DTs, he was pretty immobilized. I mean, he was just stuck, you know, in bed, really either that or hugging the toilet or sitting on the toilet. Um, but I, I woke up and he was standing with his arm on the window seal, looking out into our backyard. And I kind of jumped back because I'd seen some really weird behavior out of him. And I said, um, his name was Fred. And I said, Fred, I said, what's, what's going on? And he, and he turned around and he looked and the whole front of his t-shirt was just wet mm. with tears, you know, just tears had been streaming down his face and he tears all over his face. And he turned and he looked at me and he said, Robbie, he said, I woke up early this morning and I was so sick. And I was just like, I can't, I don't even know if I can make it to the bathroom. Like he goes, I was so sick. It was so bad. And he said, and I just said, who would want, somebody like me and who would bring me in their home and he said and all of a sudden he said jesus appeared at the end wow. of the bed and he and he held his hand out and he said fred i'll take you he said i love you and he said i and this guy had been pretty severely abused by his dad like beaten a lot stuff like that and he says he jumped out of bed and he just ran to jesus and he just took him in his arms at the end of the bed and he just held him and rocked him. And he said, he whispered all the things in my ear that I always wanted to hear my father say, wow. but never heard him say. And he said, he just rocked it all away just by rocking back and forth. He said, he just rocked away the sickness. He rocked away the, the addiction. He goes, every, the shame, everything I felt, he just took it all away. And he goes, it's gone. And then he dropped his head and he just began to cry again. And I got up and I ran to my parents' bedroom and I sort of burst in the room and it was early in the morning. I mean, the sun was just coming up and my dad, you know, he kind of jumps up and he goes, what did he do? What happened? You know, cause he come out of a pretty crazy lifestyle and he was like, did he touch you? Did he do something? And I said, no, no. And I, 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 cause I was crying and I just, I told him what he said. And I looked at my parents and I said, you know, that's what I want to see Jesus do the rest yeah. of my life. So I said, good. I want to see Jesus do that. And I've been addicted to it ever since. You I know, it. it was just, it, it hooked me. And just seeing that kind of dramatic transformation in the life of an individual who had been so broken and so hurt, so wounded and rejected, you know. And, um, you know, that guy today, he's married, he's a father, very active in ministry, he's incredible testimony. But it just, um, that was the beginning of everything for me. I love it. <laughs> that launched me into going, man, God is a miracle working God. And I want to see him do that in the lives of people. And when did you start stepping out personally in, in what people call power evangelism? Yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of, a lot of my early years, I mean, my parents would take me to go see, you know, uh, like we went to go see Kenneth Hagen mm -hmm. and. We went to see different people. Oral Roberts was still doing public ministry in that time. But it got to where he was just doing kind of television ministry 
in the 70s, but earlier on in the 70s, he was still doing some public meetings in places. We went to go see him. Um, there were several different preachers like that that we would go see. My parents always had a strong theology of signs and wonders. And so, and that it was still active. But I only saw it through those guys. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, man, they must never eat right. to be able to do that. And I was like, I like eating too much <laughs> to be able to. <laughs> so I, it was kind of a works-based, you know, uh, theology that I had as a child. And so um, I thought you had to earn it or deserve it, you know. And so I, for the longest time, I didn't think, I didn't necessarily really think there was anything special or anything. And, and I still don't. I think it's, I think it's really about availability, right. just making yourself available for God to use. And so um, I began to, I would pray for people. I became a youth pastor I would pray for people, never saw anybody get healed. Matter of fact, it was kind of the running joke. By the time I was like 26, I was youth pastoring in this church, and it was kind of the running joke of the church. Don't get Robbie to pray for you. He'll kill you. Oh. You know? <laughs> it was like, he'll send you, you'll see the face of Jesus forever if you let Robbie pray for you. And so it was like, don't let Robbie pray for people. This is, let's save their lives by not letting. And then this lady calls the church one day. And I was really in a bad mood. I was mad. I was angry at our senior pastor. We had, um, I just kind of felt like he didn't value me. And he, we just had sort of this thing that had happened that I was really upset. And I say that because it's important to realize that it wasn't like I was coming off a fast or I wasn't in a spiritual place or position. I had not spent endless days and hours in the secret place. I mean, none of that was going on. I was in a bad mood. I had a bad attitude, as a matter of fact. And this lady calls and she's just like, you know, my dad is going in to surgery. She just opened the phone book. She was an unbeliever. She just opened the phone book, put her finger on a, you know, paid like church page uh, and just called that number. And she goes, um, you know, I just I just called because uh, I need somebody to burn a candle, or rub some beads or whatever you people do. You know, I need somebody to do that. And I'm like, well, we're not really candle burners or bead rubbers, but, you know, I can pray. Yeah. And it, it, from my perspective, I was really like, she goes, well, how does that work? I said, well, you just sit there quietly and I'll talk and, you know, we'll be done. And it for me, it was just kind of a one, two, three thing that I was just, I was just trying to get her off the phone, to be honest with you, because I wanted to go back to the important business about being really ticked off right. at my senior pastor. And so, um I just said, just be quiet. Let me pray. And so I, I said, you know, I said, Lord, I just pray that you be with this family. I pray that you comfort them during this time of loss, mm. you know, and I said, be with them, help. I pray that they put all their affairs in order. And I, basically I'm doing the guy's eulogy over the phone. You know, I'm digging a hole and throwing his body in before he's even dead yet. Um, because there's no expectancy in me whatsoever. And so I'm just, praying this prayer, you know, that again, that I'm not expecting, there's no faith in me at all uh, because that had not, I'd never seen anybody get healed from my prayer. And so, and then, um, and then all of a sudden in the midst of all this, I just sensed the Lord. I want to say it was an internal voice versus an external voice, like audible. It was more inaudible. I just kind of sensed the Lord say to me, get out on a limb. And I was like, get out on a limb. What does Mm. that mean? And so what do you mean get out on a limb? This is going on in my head. And 
I heard them say, take a risk. Wow. And I'm like, take a risk. I don't understand what that means. Like there's no risk here to take. These aren't believers. It's not like you're going to heal them. You don't even like healing your own kids because I pray for your own kids all the time. They never get healed. So in my perspective, it was like, this was a waste because they're unbelievers. Hmm. And then he said a third thing. He said, open your mouth and I'll fill it. So good. And I was like, and I had heard that scripture from Psalms. I'd heard my parents preach on it, but it was always, to me, it was like food, you know, like open your mouth and God will give you food to eat or something. But then all of a sudden I began to realize he was saying, I want you to go say something you normally wouldn't say. And so I just said, you know, God is about to, I didn't know what I was going to say next. And all of a sudden it just hit me like, I don't want to make it sound like it was God gave me the words to speak because that's not really what happened. But all of a sudden, a sense of what's there to lose, just go for it. So good. I love that's this. all that it was. It was just kind of like, what's there to lose? Who cares? This right. lady doesn't even probably remember the church she put her finger on. You know, if this goes badly, you could just tell her this first Baptist, you know, <laughs> I mean, or first Methodist or something, blame them instead. You know, I, mean, I didn't know. And so I just said, you know, God is about to, and I said, completely heal your father. And I said, a matter of fact, God's going to give him a brand new heart and new lungs to go with it. And she hadn't said anything about lungs. Well, as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, dear God, you know, like I'm speaking it out of my mouth and I'm hearing it as I'm, I'm like, oh, dear God. And I said, now, wait a minute. And I said, I'm no faith healer. Mm-hmm. I said, you need to understand. I've never prayed for anybody and seen them healed. I'm no healer. I don't know what I'm talking about. I wouldn't listen to me if I were you. And she said, you said God was going to give my dad a brand new heart. And I was like, yes, but. And then she goes, thank you. And click, she hung up the phone. And man, when I heard the click of that phone, I was like, oh, Lord, my heart dropped. I was like, this lady's dad's going to die. She's going to, they're going to sue the church. You know, I don't like my senior pastor right now, but I don't want to get fired and lose my job. (laughs) You know, I'm like, you know, what's going to happen? Like I'm panicking. And so I finally, I replied back and I said, or I, I, I was, I was praying and I was like, Lord, you know, help her forget who she called, help her forget, you know, like I'm just backpedaling in every way, form or fashion. I was like, I need to get my resume together because this is going to get me fired. And then all of a sudden, probably a couple of hours had passed and the dad was going into surgery for heart surgery right then. And he had, he was, it was major heart surgery. And she said it was his third heart uh, bypass surgery. I think is if I remember correctly what she said. And, And so I, I was, I was just sitting there sort of like, oh no, this is terrible. And then the phone rings again and it's that woman and she goes, and, but I didn't know who it was because when she, when she, when I answered the phone, she's just going and couldn't understand anything she's saying. And I said, I said, calm down. And I said, it's okay. And I thought it was this girl in our youth group who was always wrecking our mom's car. And I, she would always call me because she thought that was my job was to call her mother for her to tell her once again, she'd wreck the car. And so I said, calm down. And I said, the girl's name, I said, call me back when you're calm. And I hung up the phone. Well, she <laughs> calls back. I hung up on her. She calls back like uh, probably 30 or 45 minutes later. And she's like, and I answer the phone again. And she's like, please don't 
hang up this time. And I recognized it was that woman. And I thought, oh, dear God, I killed her dad. He's dead. Like, I mean, that was immediately I thought, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. And I said, I'm sorry. I'm so, so sorry. I'm so sorry. And she goes, sorry for what? And I was like, your dad's dead. And she goes, what? And I was like, your dad died, right? (laughs) And she's like, she goes, no, my dad's not dead. She goes, that's why I'm calling to tell you. And she said, she goes, you know, I didn't tell you this. She goes, but my dad had had one of the procedures he had had in his heart was they replaced a valve with a valve from a pig. And she said, um, when the doctor opened up his chest, he didn't even have any, the only scar tissue he had in or on his body was on the outside of his chest right here. Hmm. And that inside all the scar tissue from previous surgeries had disappeared and the valve had disappeared. Thank you, Jesus. And it was no longer a pig valve, but it was human material. And he looked at the heart of the dad and he goes, this, he goes, this man doesn't need surgery. He has the heart of a 30 year old man. Wow. And I said, are you sure? And she goes, yes, I just got off the phone with the doctor. I'm totally sure. I said, no, you don't understand. Nobody gets healed when I pray for them. Wow. And she goes, I said, I, 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 I know that just doesn't happen. I said, are, are you, are you absolutely sure? She goes, yes, I'm sure. And I said, that doesn't happen. I said, like, do you have a doctor's report or anything? And she goes, are you sure you're a pastor? You know, cause I'm sitting there. I'm, she's in full belief. I'm in unbelief, right. you know? And I said, no, I said, I, I said, yes, I'm a pastor. I said, but I'm not a gullible pastor. And I said, I just want to see the documentation. So she comes to the church that next Sunday. She has a full doctor's report. And the very last thing at the bottom of the doctor's report is it says, this is nothing short of a miracle. That's amazing. And of course, the result of that was that woman and, and she goes, she goes, and also you said something about his lungs. And I was like, don't push it, sister. Let's just be happy with the heart thing and just don't go too far. Just just be happy. You know, let's not get greedy here. And she goes, no, my dad had a half lung removed from lung cancer on that side. And she said when they opened up his chest, they checked the lung. Um, they put like a scope camera down mm-hmm. there to check the lung. She goes, he now has a whole lung Amazing. where he had half of a lung. And so I was like, are you sure? Are you sure? Sure. Sure. And so she brought the report. I read the report and I remember walking away from that. The result of that was that woman, her husband, the mom, the dad, they all gave their lives to Christ. Um, And and they've told that testimony again and again and again. And one of the things what I was, I remember when I was leaving the church after reading the report after Sunday morning church, and I was driving home and I was like, Lord, why me? Like I was, I had a bad attitude. You know, it wasn't like I was in, like I said, it wasn't like I was in days of the secret place or hours and, or weeks of fasting. It was, none of that was going on. And the Lord just said, you know, Robbie, your gift to me is your availability. Yeah. My gift to you is the ability, but it starts with you. You go first, you be available and I'll make sure the ability meets you there, but you got to be available. And that was just really revolutionary for me because then I realized, man, this isn't something you earn or deserve or you work up or build up. You know, this is something that you just, you be available and you be willing and you step out and trust and that you, 
you know, and there's, uh, it, 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 that was the beginning of everything really from that point on, there were several encounters that happened along the way, but that was a major one that launched into this for me. I love that. And you've been equipping thousands of people around the world in how to do what Jesus did. You actually have a book, do what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. Great book. I, I'd recommend that to anybody, everybody. And my daughter who was just being moved powerfully on last night at, at 11, she's going to read that book. But what launched you into equipping other people around the world into power evangelism? Yeah, you know, I mean, realizing that what I was learning along the way was so significant to release in other people. And and the impact of our ministry has actually been in the millions, to be honest with you. Amazing. It's been it's been it, for the longest time, I never, I never believed that. Like yeah. I never, and then actually there's a guy that has been working with numbers of, yeah. you know, with all of the training materials and everything. And he goes, you're, this is like several million people, you know? And I was like, really? <laughs> I was still like, are you sure? Like with the woman with her dad's heart. But um, what happened was, is all of a sudden I began to realize that, you know, Jesus's greatest joy, I think, that he demonstrated was in Luke 9 and Luke 10 when he's sending out the 12 and then the 72. And he's so thrilled. And that's the one time where he says, and I shared last night, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, not from his work, but from them doing what he had showed them. Yeah. And the Lord began to use that passage. It's been a foundational passage for my ministry ever since, because the Lord began to really show me that that is how we're going to dethrone the enemy and how we're going to, is that the more believers that step out from right now and, and everyone that hears this and gets equipped and doing it, that if they do that, we will see, you know, Satan's kingdom topple, which we know ultimately in revelation, it tells us that that will happen. But we actually are a major part of that. And we're a bigger part of that than we realize. Mm. And as I begin to see that and begin to realize that, I begin to go, man, we've got to do that. And of course, for me, you know, it moved from just doing it with whatever open invitation to then getting very targeted and specific parts of the world that are the most dangerous and the most in the most crisis of not seeing that. And so, um, so just realizing that we had to multiply and Jesus was all about multiplication. And so it wasn't just about, you know, him doing the work. He didn't just come to do it. He was coming to model and to raise up others to be able to follow suit. And the entire life of Jesus was an invitation. He was demonstrating us what our life was supposed to look like. And so once I got that, once I saw that, I was like, people just need to, and sometimes, sometimes we complicate it, you know, so much. Uh, and, and, and we try to, in sort of in the teaching, we, we can focus so much on the theology aspect of right. things that we complicate the simplicity of our authority. And, and the thing that the Lord dealt with me about was keep it as simple as possible. Keep it as approachable as now I love to teach and I love to get deep in teaching and ministering and preaching, but, but really when it comes to the, to the, to the, you know, activation of people and to the equipping of people, it's so crucial to me to make sure that we're keeping it as simple 
simple and as replicatable as possible, because that's what will get people going out and stepping out and doing it. And, and what that means is it means I have to diminish my role in, in order to enhance everyone else's role. And so like very few times will I, you'll see me at a meeting where I'll personally lay hands and pray for somebody. Typically I'll grab somebody else and say, all right, put your hands here, say this. And one of the main reasons why is to get it off of me as the center, because that's the objective of an equipper is to get other people doing it. And so, um, it's, uh, it's, it's really, uh, it's significant. And I think the enemy works really hard to keep that whole concept suppressed because he knows that's a fatal blow to him. So a temptation of people in my field, if you will, um, is to be spectacular. Right. But that works against the mission. You know, you've got to, you know, it it, it doesn't mean that you speak of yourself as if you're a dog, but it, but, but at the same time, you sort of have to pull back from the emphasis of your role to getting them to where that they become more the focal point. But again, it's the only way to truly equip, you know? So yeah, that's the whole significance of that, you know, to get people out into it. You shared a story earlier about non-believers. You said atheists that then you led in really a power encounter. God did something amazing. And I know you're full of stories like this. Can you share one of these stories about how you've seen unbelievers see the power of God mm-hmm. through them and then come to Christ. One of my favorite stories, it's, it's, it's different than the one you heard me tell earlier, but one of my favorite stories was I was down in Chile and there was a girl and I, I got up the church. Probably there's about 1200 people, I guess, in, guess in the sanctuary. And, um, I called up, uh, you know, people that had legs shorter than the other. And so I had, um, uh, somebody from the church get me, you know, seven stacking chairs. So we had seven people come forward. And then I said, if, if there's anybody here that's an atheist or cessationist that doesn't believe this is for today, I want you to come forward. And I said, but if you're an atheist, make sure and come straight to me and identify yourself. And this girl who was about eight, 17 or 18 years old, she came up to me because I'm an atheist. Hmm. And I said, okay. And I said, uh, I said, is there anybody else? And there was one guy that was an atheist. I said, well, come here. I need your help. I wasn't telling him what I was going to do. And so he was like, no, nah, this is a trick. I'm not coming. I said, no, it's not a trick. Just come up here. And he, he wouldn't come. So I just had the curl. And then the rest were cessationists. And so I said, okay, all you guys are going to hold their legs. And so I had this atheist girl hold this woman's leg. And her, her leg was probably about an inch shorter than the other leg. And so I said, um, I said, just repeat after me. And so uh, she repeats after me, praying, commanding the leg to grow out. And the leg grows out. And she's just standing there and her jaws dropped, her eyes are open, and she sees it. And then the woman starts um, feeling like a twisting and shifting. What it is is her pelvis is realigning. And it's like shifting and moving. And, and it was, you know, it was uncomfortable and slightly painful thing to her. But then she was feeling vertebrae move and all this stuff. I mean, it's an inch off with no lift. So, I mean, she was that had to throw off her body, I'm sure, in her knees, too. Anyway, so the girl's seeing this movement happen and she knows something and she can feel God's presence there. And so I looked at her and I said, so now what do you think? And she goes, I don't know what to think. Mm. She goes, I'm so blown away um, 
but I don't know what to think. And so I went back to where I had my table and I was just sitting, just chatting with people, talking to people. So this girl comes up to me and she goes, I got to tell you, she goes, I'm having a real hard time with this. And I said, I said, tell me why you're an atheist. She said, well, my mother died and I prayed mm -hmm. for my mom. All so she was a believer. And then her, she was praying for her mother to be healed. Wasn't healed. Classic story. Right. And, uh, and she said, and so, and I said, and then it just, it's sort of, again, the feeling in the moment, I said, well, you realize this really isn't you that doesn't believe God. I said, this is Satan. And all of a sudden she closed her eyes really tight and she started shaking her head. And I looked at her and I said, I said, a matter of fact, I said, there's a spirit of death that came on you. And it was a spirit of death that came against your mother. And now it's coming against you. And I said, I'm going to pray. And I started praying and sweat. I mean, just pouring off of her. And her hair looked like it would like she had just rubbed a balloon all over it. And the, and the hair was almost sticking out. I mean, it was like a crazy demonic manifestation. And then I commanded this thing to break totally. And I snapped my fingers. When I did, she just collapsed to the floor. And when she, after a couple of minutes, she was regained her strength and we helped her up off the floor and she just started weeping. And the, and the aunt, her aunt who was there said, it's the first time she felt like she ever truly grieved her mother's death. Wow. And she said, I, totally believe i know this 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 was god and she prayed right then and gave her life to christ but it started it started with her watching an encounter yeah and then moved her to getting an encounter and the encounter was the demonic you know being broken off of her her being delivered of a demon and it was one of the most powerful stories because it was it was just so um it was and the next day when she came to church the next day I didn't even recognize her. She looked completely different today. She's on fire. Matter of fact, that story's okay. in my third, excuse me, my third book. Um, and, and it's, it's just, it, it, and it's just incredible. There's a little bit more of her. She tells, I let her take a paragraph and share a little bit more about her mom in there. Um, uh, to explain the background of it in the book, but it was just incredible, you know, just how that God, is just using this breakthrough of this other person. And that is very, a very typical thing that we go after is try to get unbelievers or people that are moving in unbelief to step out and to have this encounter because the encounter changes everything. Yes. Yes. An encounter with God. So as we conclude, we would love for you to activate people in this, whether it's a prayer of impartation and activation, whatever it is that you feel led and they'll be listening in or even watching now or later activating them in power evangelism. Yeah. Well, let me tell you how that works. <laughs> how that works is I can pray for you, but then you have to go and activate it. Yes. You can, you can be, uh, something can be released to you and it can come on you. But then the only way that it truly is going to work is if you step out and you activate it by going out and doing it. So going out and praying for people, going out and minister to people, it's crucial for that to happen. So Father, in the name of Jesus, just everyone watching now and later, I just pray for a release of the power of your spirit, Lord, and just everything you've given me in healing, prophetic deliverance, ministry of, res of, of, of resurrection too. Uh, we've seen some resurrections. Yes. Power preaching, Lord. I just release 
to everyone watching now and just pray for a release of your presence and power. Lord, just let your Holy Spirit just wash over them with heat, electricity, just a release of your presence now. And Father, we just thank you. And Lord, I just pray for just an impartation of a holy boldness to step out, to see lives transformed and to bring you great glory and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Just be filled with that now, Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Now, go out and start laying hands on people, prophesying over people. Listen to the wonderful Holy Spirit, Robbie. It was an honor and a pleasure to have you on Adventures in the Spirit. What is the best way for people to get a hold of you for more information? Yeah, our website, Robbie Dawkins, R-O-B-B-Y, not I-E, RobbieDawkins.com. There's tons of resources, training materials, videos that you can watch, um, just all sorts of things, uh, starting schools in the Middle East to train uh, the underground church throughout the Middle East and to step out in power evangelism. Just our passion is teaching people how to live the book of Acts so that they can see the whole world come to Jesus, man. That's so good. Thank you so very much, Robbie. Joy. Everybody, please subscribe and share this podcast, Adventures in the Spirit and be activated in the name of Jesus. And please purchase Do What Jesus Did by Robbie Dawkins. Thank you so much for listening to our conversation and adventures in the spirit. We hope that this podcast encouraged and inspired you to press into Jesus and launches you into your own adventure. You can stay up to date with Fireborn Ministries by going to our website, firebornministries.com and like us on Facebook. And may you have your own adventures in the spirit. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the best ever Big Mac burger. Take it away, Hamburglar. Rubble, rubble. He said, there's more special sauce in every bite. Rubble, rubble. He said, rubble, rubble. Rubble, rubble. Rubble, rubble indeed, my friend. Try the juicier Big Mac and get 20% off any purchase of $10 or more. Only on the app. Comparison to prior classic burgers, limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid once per day. Excludes tax. Must be opted into rewards. ba ba ba